Amen, right on. We are better together as God's people were better together. The scripture says in the last days, like, hey, don't slow down on meeting together. Don't, 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 you know, don't get to a point where it's kind of hit and miss. It's like, no, all the more the last days, it's, it's more important. It says don't neglect this coming together. And so it's important for us to be people that connect and are better together, work better together in unity. Uh, today, specifically, uh, I want to talk about how we're better together in prayer. Uh, as Christians, as a body of believers, we're better together as we're praying and praying together and in our prayer lives are working together toward things. I said uh, on my social media, I said, do you know that right now in this room, you can make a difference immediately somewhere outside of here. Right now, you could make a decision to make a difference somewhere right outside of here without even spending money. Like you can literally make an impact and make a difference right this minute without even spending money. And it's through prayer. I believe that right now you could pray a prayer in a hospital on another side of the country could be affected by a prayer that you pray right now. I believe that a mission field or a missionary uh, life could be changed by a prayer that you pray right now. Uh, Paul said in a lot of his writings, he said, my prayers are with you and just remember my prayers are this with you. Or and was reminding them of like, look, uh, my prayers are joined with what you're doing. Like we're participating together in this. Scripture even says right now in heaven, we have a great cloud of witnesses who are looking down on us and cheering for us and what? Even participating. Amen. In this thing. Why? Because we, our prayers can make a difference. They can go be at work. They can, they can get stuff done. Are you with me? And so right now, literally, you can send a prayer to a prison and it make a difference. You don't have to always be somewhere and doing a physical work in order for it to make a difference. It can make a difference now. Our prayers working together can make a huge difference. Amen. Uh, that's why I believe Matthew chapter 18, verse 19, uh, talks about this better together idea and better together in our prayer. Verse 19, it says, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three in my name gather, I am with them. What's it saying? Better together. It's saying, hey, as God's people, when we get together, we're better together. Two or three or more together. God's paying attention to how we gather. Amen. I love it in this passion, passion translation of the Bible. In verse 19, it says, again, I give you an eternal truth. This is another one of those promises that are forever. If two of you agree to ask God for something in a symphony of prayer, my heavenly father will do it for you. What a beautiful picture of like the body of Christ and us as believers coming together in a symphony of prayer. Everybody praying their part, everybody doing their part. The things that God has revealed to this person throughout their week, they're praying about. And the thing that God has revealed to this person and put in their life, they're praying about. And it makes up a symphony that God responds to. What an amazing thing of how we're better together in prayer, amen? So then it says, for wherever two or three come together in honor of my name, I am right there with them. What does that say? It says that God participates in our prayers. The creator of heaven and earth, the one who put this universe together. I'm so glad he's not just an angry God up in heaven saying, worship me, just worship me as I'm on my throne. You know, he's up there just looking to participate and engage as we gather and pray. Amen. What a blessing. I thought about it like this. Prayer is focusing on his strength instead of our weakness. What a great value that we have that we can instead of being like, oh, I have all this weakness. I'm not good enough in this way. I don't have this working for me. Instead of us having to get through life just looking at it that way, we can turn our direction to somebody who can handle it all and we can pray into his strengths 
and not our weaknesses. Prayer is such a great weapon, such a great value of for a Christian because it makes it not about us. It's like, hey, God, I got these things and there's this stuff and I desire a relationship with you and I want to I do just what this said. I want to participate with you. I want to do this thing together. And God's like, yeah, I want to do it with you too. And so you get to work together with God. Amen. The problem is we, uh, we talk about prayer like we talk about diets. We say things like, uh, oh, you know, I'm really going through it. You know, it's just really a prayer season for me. And then it's like we try it when we need it. Or it's like all of a sudden we feel like, well, going through this stuff, I feel like I probably need to pray a little bit more. Just like we're over here with the diet, like, oh, you know, I probably should diet a little bit. And we try it for a season and kind of get to where we want, and then we drop it. We can't have that kind of lifestyle prayer. We have to be a committed, a devoted, praying people. Amen. Amen. You have to make changes is what I'm trying to say. You literally have to structure prayer into your life because it matters. It's who we are as believers. That's why Charles Spurgeon said it this way, that prayer is cooperating with God, cooperating with God. You could say it two ways there. It's, it's cooperating, meaning like you're, 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 you're in submission to the ways of God. You're praying, you're asking him for, you know, his ways and his will and his desire. You're cooperating with him. But also at the same time, what about what I love about God is it's, it's cooperating. It's working alongside him in what he wants to see done here on earth. So you're cooperating with them and cooperating with them about the same time. And that's what's awesome about prayer is it's going to God and you're saying, God, I'm seeing this and you're speaking to me about this and you're praying and you're hearing from him and then you're going back out and doing his will. Right. Amen. It's beautiful. Uh, I've said it before that uh, to be a, a praying person, an example is like this. Let's say you had an incredible car, zero to 60 and whatever, and it looked great and it was awesome and it was built for speed and just this awesome car. You could put that car in neutral and push it and you could get places and you could accomplish things and you could do that. But it's so much better if you got in it and started the ignition and actually used all of its capabilities. Amen. I'm here to tell you as a Christian, you could go through life without much prayer life. You could go ahead and try to be a Christian and try to do the ways of God and, 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 and enter into all the things that he has for you. You could do it without prayer, but it's going to be so much harder. Prayer is like turning that ignition and, and getting the full capability of all that God has for you. Instead of trying to do it your way, it's turning that key and saying, okay, God, you take me somewhere. Are you with me? Prayer has to be a part of our life. That's why it's my point number one. Point number one, a prayer life is not a good idea. It's required. We can't say, well, you know, I'm kind of a worshiper. I'm not really a prayer. Oh, you know, I'm just somebody who likes to go to church, but I don't like to really pray. No, it is the makeup of who we are. It's required in how we have relationship with God. Amen. Praying, it's got to be there. I thought about it like this. If Jesus had a prayer life, we should have a prayer life. You see in Mark 1, Luke 5, and Luke 9, those are three instances where Jesus literally steps away from things in order to stay committed to his prayer life. Now, Jesus is God. He's all-knowing. He's got all wisdom. If anybody who's like, no, I got this handled. I don't need to pray. It probably could have been him. Are you with me? But he, the scripture says he went away and prayed. He got alone and prayed. And he also had prayer places. If Jesus needed that in his life, how much more do we? Places that were committed to getting away and praying. But we have all these excuses like, oh, I don't pray that much right now because I'm, I'm just really committed at work. It's really a, a season for me at work. Well, Jesus, you know what he did? Like miracles all day. 
like miracles all day, raise the dead, heal the sick, like the blind eyes. Like if anyone had an excuse to say, no, did you see what I've been doing? I don't need to pray. I'm doing pretty good. He still took time away to pray. A sinless man still took time away to spend time with his father. How much more should we? When I was putting this sermon together, I said, okay, God, for those people who their prayer life is lacking, just make the, war- the room really warm for them. If, they're, if they have a weak prayer life. And so I feel good up here. But I don't know if you. Oh, okay, well. <laughs> I'm just playing, you know. Uh, but so for us, we just can't, we can't say there's no good excuse for why we don't pray. There's no good excuse. If Jesus didn't use an excuse and he was the miracle doer and he did all this stuff, we, we don't have one. I thought about it like this. You've heard me say this before, too. Isn't it funny? In the real world, we honor appointments all the time. We keep our appointments for silly things. Oil changes, dentist, doctor, chiropractor, all these different things. We would never, some of you chiropractors over here are like, oh, no, people miss appointments. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. We, we keep those. We keep those the best that we can. Why don't we keep our appointments with God in prayer? Why don't we keep our daily, uh, and I'm not saying out of a religious way, like, oh, you better pray this morning or God's going to get you. I'm talking about this is important to me, and I'm going to keep this commitment. Amen. Lifeway Christian Research did some, uh, some rankings about Christian, uh, basically, uh, activity and, and, and things that, as Christians, we should be doing, our practices. It's the word I was looking for. So practices is a wrong word. I don't actually love that for because it's lifestyle. But let's just use the word practices, the things that as Christians we're called to do. Do you know that prayer ranked last of all the things that you can do as a Christian? Read your Bible, go to church, all the different things. Uh, at the very bottom, the thing that Christians say uh, that they do the worst job with is prayer. So at rank number one is the thing that they do the least. But what's amazing about this list is check this out. Look what happens. Number, number one, the, the thing that they do the least is pray. Number two thing that we see lacking in hurting or hindering the, the local church, the, the body of Christ, is discipleship. So prayer, the thing that comes in right underneath that is discipleship. The third thing is lifestyle or character or holiness, right standing, uh, righteous way of living. Uh, we're just too uh, gray. We're just accepting everything. We're just making everything mud. We're calling things that aren't good, good. Are You know what I'm saying? And so lifestyle and leadership, number four, uh, is evangelism is coming in at, at the fourth least thing, uh, evangelism. And then poor doctrine is coming in. People don't have solid theology. They don't have an understanding of scripture. And then uh, number six, uh, they see apathy in the church. Uh, they see no connection, no service, no work, no, no giving back. You see apathy. Uh, little enthusiasm is one of the things that they categorized it as. Could I argue that these things actually rank perfectly in the default of when we miss prayer as a church, it's no wonder that we can't disciple people. That was number two. It's no wonder we can't disciple people because we're not going to God and asking him what he even wants to do. So if we're not getting from God, how could we ever give to somebody else in discipleship? And because we don't disciple people, no wonder lifestyle is ranking as the third worst because we haven't discipled anyone. They don't know. Are you with me? They don't know how to live. So then because they don't know how to live, since we don't know how to live, how could we ever evangelize and tell anyone how to live? So no wonder evangelism is suffering. Are you with me? And so since evangelism is suffering and nobody's motivated and nobody's inspired by the things of God, we don't see it on display uh, and we're not interested. There's no training. There's no, of course, our doctrine is messed up because it's broken. It's a mess. We're not actually living it out. It's just all just words. Are you with me? 
And then, of course, that all leads to what I said is number six, apathy. People aren't engaged. They aren't connected. They're not making a difference. Why? Because it's a mess. Could I argue that everything is out of order because in the church, prayer is not valued? It starts with God. What does God want to do? How does he want to lead us? How does he want to speak to us? If we're not taking the time to do that, nothing else will get in order. I would challenge you about the same thing in your home. If prayer is not the first thing you do, everything else under it is going to be out of order. Everything is going to fall out of category if we don't seek God in prayer first. Amen. Is it getting warmer for you? I think uh, it's warmer for me. (laughs) Here's the result of that is that the third largest mission field country in the world, we used to send people from America to China and other places so that we could go tell them about God. The third largest mission field country in the world is now the United States. Why? Because we're messing this up so bad. We're not praying. We're not discipling. We're not, all of that has got out of order because we've stopped going to God. Are you with me? Uh, They say, so the number one neglected practice is prayer. We say this, that prayer is the roof. It's great to have great lights and a great band and write all this worship music that comes out and do all of these things. Great leadership structures in church. All of that stuff is great. But if prayer is the roof, if we're not putting a covering on it, if we're not going to God, if we're not, are you with me? Then it isn't going to work. The average American Christian spends less than 10 minutes a day in prayer. The average American Christian spends less than 10 minutes a day in prayer. You'll spend more time in a day preparing food for your day than you will communicating with your creator. Heating up something in the microwave or the oven or getting your stuff, you'll spend more time prepping your food than you will going to God who has great promises for your life. And great, Are you with me? They say hygiene is the same thing. You'll spend more time getting your hair done, put your deodorant on, get yourself ready for the day than you will creating with your, your, uh, communicating with your Heavenly Father. Think about it this way. Since it's summer, you'll spend more time, the average American will spend more time this week taking care of their yard than they will their verbal relationship with God. It's not okay. Amen? It's not okay. And so we got to be back to prayer. we got to get back to prayer. We, we have to be communicating. Uh, it's a requirement. Amen? Point number two, God rewards prayer. That's what I love about God is that we're not just doing this for some useless tradition. We're going through this thing, and God is also blessing it at the same time. It's not like we go in and did our duty and whatever. No, God is like, again, he's working in it, cooperating with us. He's active in it, and he rewards us for it. Amen? That's why Matthew 6, 5 says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street, for they will be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, that's you. Go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. God wants to partner with us in prayer. He wants to be communicating with us. He wants to be in that cooperating type of relationship. Amen. Amen. Point number three, your life will lack if your prayer life lacks. Your life will lack if your prayer life lacks. James 4.1 says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. I'm going to give you a little bit of example. I've used this before. Um, If you have little kids, which I do, five, three, and one here in like six weeks. Oh, my gosh. And uh, 
so you have these little ones, and oftentimes they'll come up to you in meltdown mood, mode already. They'll come in, and they haven't even said what they want, right? They're all, and it's like, hey, say, hey, hold on, hold on, what's going on? Listen, just tell me what you need. Ah, oh, juice box, oh, hold on. I am the giver of the juice boxes. I can help you, but you have to ask. And I wonder how many of us live that way through our life. We're going to God, He's like, whoa, whoa, hold on. I am the giver, the scripture says, of good gifts. What do you need? You haven't even asked yet. And you're flipping out and freaking out and believing the worst and worrying. And he's like, I am the, amen. He's a rewarder. He's a prayer. He answers prayer. Amen. And so it's saying, hey, we get into all this murder and fighting and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, you haven't even asked yet. Amen. Prayer is your personal responsibility. Point number four. Prayer is your personal responsibility. The first half of James 5.13 says this, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let him pray or let her pray. It didn't say let the pastor pray. It didn't say let the prayer team pray. It didn't didn't call the crazy televangelist guy in the thing and let him pray. Definitely don't call him. (laughs) It says let who pray? Us pray. We have a personal responsibility to pray. I believe in corporate prayer. I believe in going down to the prayer room and having the prayer team pray. I love praying for you and coming to me and praying. But if we leave it up to somebody else, we're missing it. God's called us to be a people of prayer. We have a responsibility for that. Amen? So I love this scripture. I think about it often. Lamentations 1.9, it says this, Her uncleanness in her skirts, she did not consider her destiny. Therefore, her collapse was awesome. It doesn't say that her collapse was awesome because of her sin. It said that her collapse was awesome because she considered not her destiny. All that God wanted to do in her, all that God wanted to use her for. If we're not a people praying and believing and seeking God for what he has to do for us, I would argue with you, you're probably on a road to a collapse. We always have to be in a pursuit toward God, considering what he has for us. Amen. We call it praying the price. You just got to get in there and pray the price. In prayer, just get in there in advance and till the ground in prayer. Believing when that right season shows up, it's going to be prepared for you. Amen. That's why Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Those are conversations of pursuit. Going after in advance. Going after beforehand. The problem is most Christians, we don't pursue things in prayer. We only uh, go to God in prayer in response to things. So we go to him after something's gone wrong, or we go to him after we need him to get us out of something. And God's saying, hey, just come to me in prayer. Let's pray the price. Let's go seek and knock and pursue ahead of time. Amen. And so we must pursue things uh, after, you know, toward God in prayer. Just be in a pursuit that he has good things. I'll close with this. Uh, Mark Batterson, he wrote a book called Circle Maker. You guys hear me talk about it a lot. Um, But it's a book on prayer uh, that's really challenged me. And I love his ideas about prayer here. They say this, bold prayers honor God and God honors bold prayers. God isn't offended by your biggest dreams or your boldest prayers. He's offended by anything less. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, they're insulting to God. I didn't have time to break it all down, uh, but the research group said of the Christians that do pray, they took and did a graph about what they pray about. And so of the 10 minutes that we're actually praying, what are we going to God about? And it's like in the, I believe it was 92% of uh, what we pray about in our 10 minutes is basically, God, take care of me. God, take care of my family. God, bless me. Keep me safe. We just keep it in this little 
just keep it in this little thing. We don't think any bigger than just, God, keep me safe and happy. I just want to be safe and happy. And God is over here like, hey, bold prayers. Honor God. And God honors bold prayers. God isn't offended by your biggest dreams or your boldest prayers. He's offended by anything less. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, they're insulting to God. Why? Because you have the creator of the universe in heaven. Like, hey, they're coming to me. They're praying. We're doing this thing. What are we going to do together? What are we going to cooperate in? Keep me safe. Keep me happy. He's like, that's it? Wait a minute. Don't you know I put the stars in the sky? Don't you know that every day? I, all, keep me safe. Keep me happy. Amen. We got to ask God for the big things. Who you become is determined by how you pray. Ultimately, the transcript of your prayers become the script of your life. We get that from the scripture that says life and death is in the power of the tongue. What's on your tongue is in your future. If we believe that God framed this world by his words and we're to be Christ-like imitators of God, then you frame your world by the words that you're speaking every day. Be praying, be speaking, call things into existence. Amen. The greatest tragedy in life is not, is not prayers that go unanswered. It's prayers that go unasked. We got to be going to God for more than keep me safe and happy. How about let's change the world prayers? How about eliminate poverty and hunger and let's empty these foster care systems? Amen. Let's go for some bold prayers. Scripture says uh, tomorrow is promised to no man. And we use that in the context of you never know, you might die tomorrow. So make sure you're right with God. But we keep putting things off like tomorrow I'll pray about that, God. Tomorrow I'll get to bold prayers. Tomorrow I'll start. No, start praying them today and let those seeds go in the ground so you can walk in the harvest of it. Or generations after you can walk in the harvest of it. Amen. We love this saying, prayer is the key of the morning and the bolt of the evening. It's the key of the morning and it's the bolt of the evening. Now, I'm not saying every morning you got to get up and have prayer session. If you're not doing it, you're, I'm just saying in your mind, you get up and you unlock a lot of things in the morning. Get up and you get things started, open and going. We all have our routine. Get up, hit that pink drink and coffee and all those other things, right? And you, oh, it's the key. You start opening everything. And then at night, same thing. You end of the night, you close doors, you plug in phones, you do all the things, you put the bolt on the day. Let's do that in prayer. Let's make that a huge part of how we start our day, end our day, throughout the day. Let's open and close some things in God, right? That's why God said, hey, if you bind things on earth and have it, the whole thing, he's saying like, look, like, I want to cooperate with you. We can do more than 10 minutes. Amen. So I encourage you, Saturday prayer, try it. You know, it's like, you know what? I am starting in June this month. You don't have to wait till Saturday, but let's just say. But you're like, this is it. We're doing it. Prayer life. We're putting it in order. We're putting it in place. Come to prayer. You don't have to pray out loud. Just come start joining with us and put this stuff in place and see God do incredible things. Amen. Let's really ask God. Really ask God to just give us that desire to pray. Like I'm a pastor and I know what it is to make an effort to pray. It's just days that it takes, it just takes effort. There's days that it just falls out of you and it comes natural. But a desire to pray, to fix things first through prayer versus trying to fix it by our own hand, our own, or the idea of leave it up to somebody else, da, da, da. A desire to pray. Amen? Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We're asking of you this morning as people to give us a desire to pray. Lord, you said that we can come to you and ask, and God, we're asking for a strong desire to pray, to be prayer people, 
to have an understanding that, that you've given us this great tool, this gift of prayer, so that we can make a difference in our community and in our lives and in our families. Lord, I thank you that hindrances that may have held people back are gonna come to naught starting today in Jesus' name. Whatever's held people back from prayer, we pray that those distractions, those hindrances, those negative doubts and thoughts, they cease today. Lord, I thank you that this will be a place of prayer, a house of prayer. We do it because we love you and we desire you. In Jesus' name, amen.